Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Andrew Codd, accountant, author, and commercial finance entrepreneur. And it's my job each week to bring you leaders in finance and business and deconstruct with them their real stories, insights, and hard-won lessons into practical advice on the key strengths and qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show. Hi everyone and welcome to the Strength in the Numbers show and this week's guest mentor is Dr. Noel Tago who's had a career spanning practice, industry and more recently academia but don't mistake Noel for getting caught in academics, he's actually quite engaged in our profession where Noel is Executive Vice President Academics at AICPA and that's why we've had to spread this show over two episodes. Uh, The first part which we'll cover today is really about values relevant to practical advice going to bear fruit for us and our careers, but also the impact and meaningful problems we can go be solving for our organisations. Some of the key points we cover on the episode is actually deconstructing three steps to become more valuable and relevant to our organisations. Another area we cover is what to do if we encounter failure and why it's actually a very good risk management tool that we have in our pockets. Also the importance of learning communities and, and also Noel shares three ways to think about approaching our profession and also a fantastic personal story about the transformative power of finance. Look, loads of great quotes in there. And just like with everything else mentioned, I put those in the show notes, which you can find at sitnshow.com slash podcast slash 086. And don't forget, if you've found any value in this show, please let your friends and colleagues know about it at iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher and YouTube. So again, really appreciate your support in building this show. So now without further ado, over to Noel and the show. Noel, welcome to the show. And thank you very much. So, so Noel, look, uh, some of our audience have probably seen you on t- uh, TV or the video giving advice to like CNBC news channels or the SEMA website or AICPA. So uh, maybe we could probably do with more around your background and your story. So do you mind sharing a bit there for our audience? Well, I'm currently uh, Executive Vice President for uh, Management Accounting Research and Curriculum. And, and that's a long uh, name for just ensuring that we have at SEMA and AICPA the uh, qualification that is relevant, that is fixed for the times, and that we, it is based on good research and then also to carry out research that will increase our profile and tell us what is happening. So, so that's what I do now. But it's been quite a journey coming from uh, there. I uh, came into accounting probably more as a conscript really, All right. than as a that's a convert because my dad was an accountant and uh, he insisted <laughs> that I, I become an accountant. <clears throat> and so I went through university studying accounting, uh, trained uh, as a chartered accountant, and all of this just to get my dad off my back. <laughs> but somewhere uh, in the process, I fell in love with uh, accounting and, and so worked with uh, British Petroleum for a while in accounting and strategy positions. Uh, went to do some postgraduate study at the University of Dundee, uh, taught at the University of Manchester Business School uh, for a while, went through to work with KPMG in Africa, leading uh, major projects in corporate finance, uh, and then came back to Ireland, uh, University College Dublin, uh, Michael Smith's Graduate School of Business to teach a bit, moved to Oxford University uh, to do research and to teach, uh, and then moved to uh, SEMA, uh, 
and in SEMA have been looking at accreditation, uh, uh, qualification, development, research and development, and, and, and all of those things. So, so that's 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 part of summary of uh, where I've come from. Yeah, yeah, that that's a heck of a journey between, I suppose, academia, between business practice, uh, uh, commerce. Uh, I suppose, are there any particular memories on that journey that stand out for you, No. Well, it's it is. Uh... Uh, it's uh, for, for me in terms of uh, the, the, the journey. Uh, I like that because uh, when I'm in practice, I call myself a reflective practitioner, a thinking practitioner. Uh, when I'm when I'm in academia, I like to see myself as a grounded and engaged academic. Because you see, when you when you're an ac- academic, uh, you people think you live in an ivory tower. <laughs> not in touch. Uh, and and sometimes that's true. But uh, what I like to do is to make sure that. I really, really, really stay grounded uh, in, in the real world. But and then when you're in practice, you hardly have time to think and to reflect. Mm, true. Uh, and I, I tend to bring that discipline of deep reflection that I, I have from academia into practice. So that's why when I'm in practice, I call myself a reflective uh, practitioner. Uh, but there have been several uh, uh, things uh, in that journey that I've taken. Uh, when I qualified as a chartered accountant, sometimes in the sometime in the late nineteen eighties, was one of the moments uh, that stood out of my life. I, I kind of uh, believed that I have arrived. I, I, yeah. I, I knew <laughs> what what I was about, yeah. uh, and so on. Uh, but uh, one of the, uh, the the major turning points in my life was uh, moving away from accounting into strategy. Now I had been working in strategy uh, in accounting for a long time. Now I. I believed in the accounting story. Uh, but that was in the 1980s. And then I was shifted to strategy. And all of a sudden, I found out that the uh, accounting I did was no use to me as a strategist. Yeah. Because I was, I was speaking more to external stakeholders than to internal stakeholders. So then my life became a quest of how do I bring the two together? Mm-hmm. In fact, that's, that's how come I went to... Uh, study uh, for a master's degree first, and I, I wrote a thesis on how to combine the two together. After the master's degree, I felt mm, I haven't cracked it enough, and then so I uh, did a doctoral program uh, on the. And so the thesis, my, my the title of my thesis was uh, the role of accounting in strategic decision processes. And my quest has been to bring accounting, if you like, from the back room through the middle room to the front room, where accounting. Is engaging more broadly with uh, the uh, rest of business and then the rest of uh, the businesses environment and ecosystem. And in, in fact, that is how come I like SEMA because it, it does that. Actually, it's quite funny. Like you probably didn't realize how important that subject area, that subject matter, bringing that together is like how relevant and how important that is today. So exactly. Well. <laughs> Uh, and at that time, uh, we were developing uh, new fields called strategic management accounting and and value chain accounting and all those things. And and that has uh, come out. So a lot of the work I do now is trying to answer the question, how do we make accounting valuable to the organization? You see, because uh, if you look at how the accounting uh, function is evaluated, it's evaluated more on efficiency and cost. So if you look at the benchmarks that Hackett and everything does, it's about that. But think about it this way. Any time you mention cost, your strategic and instinctive behavior towards cost is to reduce cost. Yeah. So if, if accountants are regarded as cost, the strategic behavior towards us is to reduce what we do. 
On the other hand, if you shift the thinking from cost to value, everybody's strategic behavior, instinctive behavior towards value is to maximize value. So if we shift accountants from doing stuff which is merely cost, uh, in a cost perspective to adding value, then there's no end to the use that will be put uh, to and people want to use us more. Yeah, because I love, I, I, I mean, that, that's that been a big thing for me in my career, Noel, like working in practice, also working in commerce. It's it's sort of seeing that sort of cost mentality that I we've grown out from because, you know, like cost cutting for me or that focus on cost, cost is like if you want to lose weight, for instance, you can go chop an arm off or a leg off, but how useful is that really? for your long-term exactly. health, right? But that said, right, if we then sort of turned about value and said, what could we do with our arm or what could we do with our leg? Some people could bend it like Beckham or some people yeah. could really do some positive things with their arms or their, their mouths or their voices or, or their eyes. There's so much more we can do with our body parts, you know, and exactly. and get a bit leaner at the same time, fitter and healthier for the future. So, you know, like I do sort of think that that change is happening, but... Some of us are probably not on that journey yet. Some of us are just starting. Look, are there maybe a few baby steps we could take to sort of how to take accounting forward to be more relevant and and, and valuable? Are there any sort of other things we can start, start doing today that, that would help? Well, uh, for me, think about uh, it this way. Uh, value is value to somebody. It's not what is value to you. So the first thing you've got to identify is who am I relating to and who am I giving something so, so that's the first, identify who you're creating the value. The second thing then is for me directly, find what is of value to the person. And more directly, ask the people, what is of value to you? And once you've done that, begin to then engage with them in how to provide that value to, to those people. And sometimes you have the skills to do that. Sometimes you don't. So, but but I, I, I believe that 95% of the things that is required of us, we can do it either because we have the skills currently, or we can acquire the skills in the course of time. And I'll, I'll say a few things about it in a moment. Or we can plug into a network of people who already have the skills. And so they will help us to do that. Or in the future, they will help us to do that. So it is about my skills, my current skills, my future skills, the skills of others, their current skills, and their future skills. And it will help me to be able to do that. And it's also interactions, the dynamic of interacting daily in there. The final thing I'll say is that we have to come with an open mind. And let me just say very quickly that when I talk about an open mind, I don't mean an empty mind. Yeah, well an said, empty mind yeah. is dangerous. <laughs> you know, so, an open mind, you know, so and an open what an open mind does is that it it takes some things out of it and it, it receives some new things in terms of that. And and that speaks to what in in educational language we call lifelong learning. You know, uh, so you learn some things and you unlearn some of those when they are less relevant and then you relearn new things and that's an open mind yeah because i just put a podcast together with some sort of mindsets or mindsets that are helpful to people's careers like from previous guests exactly. and i think open mind comes up a, a lot that growth mindset the open mind um exactly. And, exactly and and even it was quite funny even our last podcast guest said like you know if yeah they thought they'd made it once they became um an accountant got their letters but that's only start of the journey, you know. It's like that sort of constant well, exactly. unlearning, relearning. Yeah. I mean, how many of us exactly. get exactly. the certificate? That's no, it. I see a challenge to somebody. I mean, so it, it, us accountants are very numerical minded, you know. 
and 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 so quantitatively minded. So 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 let's do a, a bit of an experiment uh, in terms of this. If you decide as an accountant to improve yourself just one percent a day consistently at the end of the year, you would have improved yourself three thousand seven hundred and forty percent at the end of the year. Compound. In other words, thirty-seven times over. <laughs> That's what. And it is so. It is consistent discipline, just baby steps. Baby steps. I would improve myself one percent a day, not ten percent a day, yeah. Yeah. not hundred percent a day, just one percent, and that is doable. And that has been my discipline in terms of that. So, is it in reading? So, I read uh, ten uh, hundred words a day. I'm going to read uh, one. Uh, or one words a, a day tomorrow. I'm going to improve it by another 1% of that, and so on. You find out that if you read, if, sorry, for example, if you read 10 words a day, and you improve by 1% every day, yeah. at the end of the year, you'll be reading 374 words a day. That is the kind of thing. And, and those are easily doable as steps. Not big things to do, but consistent discipline. You know, and, and that's the spirit of Kaizen, if you like. Yeah, yeah. And uh, unfortunately for me, I well, actually, no. Fortunately, I love what you said about Kaizen. I, I actually started before I did my accounting qualifications. I actually did a stint in field sales, and that's where they introduced Kaizen. But it's a really great way of thinking about improvement because the challenge laid down by our last podcast guest, it was around CPD, was to challenge yourself to do something a bit extra, do a little bit more. Exactly. And and the Kaizen is sort of an examination like that reflection you were saying, the reflective practitioners that where we need to find in ourselves, where we're exactly. like saying, okay, what do we do well and what could we do better? Exactly. Well, it's exactly. And, and uh, one of the things that uh, more recently I found out is uh, what, has, what I'm calling and others have probably called before me an analysis of fail. Uh, and that, that is the best thing. So a part of my background is in philosophy. So I'm kind of, I studied accounting, I'm more leaned towards economics and laterally uh, at Oxford University, did a fair bit of work on uh, the interface between philosophy, theology, and the world of economics and accounting. And uh, it, it, so it makes me kind of uh, think about uh, things a bit more deeply in, in, in some of these uh, areas. And uh, one of the things that I, I, I've realized uh, uh, in terms of life, uh, for us as people who are in practice, is a whole notion, if you like, of uh, reflect, uh, reflecting on things deeply and committing yourself to some form of improvement yeah. over there. And doing that uh, on a consistent basis and having regard to the other. The other thing also is uh, just go out there and not be fearful. And coming back to the area of an analysis of failure and where my philosophy on that is, for most people, they believe that uh, failure and success are not related together. They see it as a junction. So success goes to the uh, right, failure goes to the left. Mm. That is not the case. Mm. You know, so if you remember uh, uh, Churchill, Churchill says that uh, success is not final, uh, failure is not fatal. What is uh, important? is the ability to change who uh, are. And that is what I want people to do. And an analysis of failure, uh, which enables you to fail fast, if you have to fail, learn from it and improve upon it 
is, is the best risk management tool that I have. So I, I don't mind how many times I'll fail, but I know that the one time I hit the jackpot, it, it will be uh, good, you know. And by the way, I also don't call it failure most of the time. Uh, I call it, it's, it's just a milestone in my journey towards success. Yeah. And even success is a milestone. Uh, anyway, so I'd advise people to be really able to uh, to do that, but also to to get into community and talk with other kinds of people because that's where learning is. Because learning can never be private; it can be personal, but not private. And when you learn in community, it's very good. So I have kind of three communities that I, I intersect in my mind. I belong to three communities that intersect. One of them I call the community of mourners. We mourn about everything. So they are good because they raise the problems. They are saying to you, there's a problem here. There's a problem there. There's a problem here. Without the community of mourners, we can't move forward yeah. in most cases. Yeah, yeah. And I sit here as an honorary president of that community. <laughs> and then we... Once you, you moan, there's another community. Some, sometimes it intersects with a community of mourners, uh, but uh, it, sometimes it doesn't. But they take the problems and they are the community of solution providers. They, you bring a problem, they'll, they'll solve the problem for you. They have that knack to be able to do that. And we've got to find a way of talking into that community, either as members or benefiting from that. And then the third uh, group is what I call the communities of practice, where the solutions are now turned into practical things that people can do. You know, so, and as these, these three communities intersect, people raise problems, people solve the problems, the problems are then moved into practice, we do that. And if you are not plugged into any of those communities, you find out that it is very difficult for you to improve what you're doing and bring any meaningful innovation and development to what you have. Yeah, yeah, that, that makes complete sense. Um... I just before we move off your journey, there's one point that I, I I did stick with me, and it and it's very similar to my own scenario. Is that I became an accountant. I I love numbers and so on, but really it was to get my mum off my back about becoming a professional or something. So, <laughs> so just thinking like if you were advising you know you know kids or younger people nowadays, like would what would you be saying to them about a profession in accounting and finance or or following a qualification in in our profession like. What would you be saying to them? Is it is it a good thing, or what should be they thinking about it? Well, I think it's a good thing. So, professions generally, I say, uh, do what you would die for or kill for. Uh, so, a lot of passion. You should have passion in that. You know, it's not for nothing that we say head, heart, and hand. The head is the rational thing. The heart is the passion. The hand is the doing bit of that, and all of those things must align. So. I mean, I, I love numbers, so shifting into accounting wasn't too much. I wanted, all I wanted to study was mathematics at the time. I found mathematics sexy at the time, you know, so so so, so the switch to accounting wasn't too bad. But the first thing I'll say to them, find something that you're passionate about. You see, because when you have passion, you do whatever. I mean, think about a, a man uh, passionate about a woman, or a woman passionate about a man, they'll do whatever. To, to get together. So passion is a key thing. Uh, and then something that you will be prepared to put in the hard slot, because things can look very bright and sexy from outside. You start getting into it, there are moments and periods where uh, they're uh, there. But I found accounting rewarding. So let me give you an example. In, in, in one organization, a, a major multinational organization, uh, once uh, uh, 
invited me to interview for a particular position. I, I didn't want to go into that organization anyway. And, and you know how if uh, you don't need a job and you go for an interview, you, you, you speak your mind. Yeah. <laughs> you, 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 you're not under any pressure. So I come in and then uh, the chairman of the panel says to me, no, uh, what's the social utility of what you do? What's the social benefit? And I, so I kind of said to him, really, uh, do you know what position I hold? And he, kind of, he said, yeah, yeah, I know. And I said, and you're asking me that question? I said to him, I'm in education and I'm in finance. And I asked him, would you be sitting here if you were, if not, not for education? And he says, well, I will not be sitting here. And I asked all the panel members, they said, yeah, education has helped us a lot. And I said, you are my social benefit. Then I asked them, how many of you have investment, mortgages, et cetera? How do you go about that? How many of you are in organization, you get paid and stuff like that? Without accountants, do you think that would be possible? And they said, no. And I said, so that's my social utility. And I said, when I combine those two, it is Lisa. Because it's not, you know, when there's combination, you can either have a, a, an additive combination. So that's uh, two plus three is equal to five. Or a multiplicative yes. com combination. That's two times three is equal to six, uh, six. I said to them, mine is not additive. Mine is not multiplicative. Mine is exponential. It's two raised to the power three, which is eight. That is the, and I, so I, I, I say to kids that, Finance and accounting can do that. It's, it's transformative of individuals. It's transformative of communities and corporations. It's transformative of nations. It changes the destiny of things. So if you want to do something that is worthwhile, that is actually changing, that has purpose, there are many things you can do. But one of those is shout and a strong contender is finance. Yeah, and I'll say that to anybody anytime. Oh, completely. I mean, look, it's no accident that our economies and our corporations are, are run by, by the numbers, you know, they're converted into financial metrics. I mean, that's that's it, you know. So, Noel, you're, you're very passionate about accounting and finance, and I'd love to touch on maybe what's exciting you most about your current work. So, at the moment, uh, a lot of things excite me. Uh, we, we are on the cusp of uh, different doing things differently because of technology. Things are changing around us. Technology is changing the way things are and so on. And for many people, that represents a threat. The exciting thing about my job is to be able to demonstrate to people that it shouldn't be a threat and that there's a huge amount of opportunity and excitement about that. So let me give you a few examples about the things that we are doing, mostly conducting research in that area, bringing insight to people and turning it into a new qualification. Uh, for SEMA uh, and uh, SEMA students. Now, uh, so a couple of details in there, but within the same ballpark. There's an organization that I, uh, I was researching, a major global organization. Uh, and I was asking them how technology was changing the, the things that accountants did. And, and it gave me a very simple uh, example. First of all, they, they, they kind of said to me, look, they had a revenue forecasting system which was, uh, in my view, was quite good, actually. It was 97% accurate, but it said it wasn't good enough because the 3% that was out represented $3 billion out because they're a $100 billion organization. So, and for, for, for that system, they used 800 accountants one month in a year to do that, their revenue forecasting system. That's a, it's a major global organization mm. I'm talking about. Mm. So if you think about the 800 accountants, uh, one month in a year to do the forecast. 
and you assume that uh, one month is uh, 20 working days, that is 16,000 working days to do that. And that's not strange. I mean, some people use more than that for that quality of forecast. But when they decided to improve, they decided to use artificial intelligence and machine learning to do that. And now they've improved it, but they use artificial intelligence algorithms and two people for two days in a year. So now they, they, it's artificial intelligence plus four workdays. Imagine, they moved it from 16,000 workdays to four workdays. Now, then you kind of ask yourself, oh, we are all going to die. I mean, uh, accountants are going to we are out of job. No, they weren't, they, 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 they weren't out of jobs at all. So they then had to go back to the organization and say to the organization, what is it that we do that you value? Now, the organization told them. Now, it, it occurred to them that the organization didn't value so much the number crunching because the number crunching was just the start of different things. And they did some things that for them was uh, subsidiary to the number crunching. But that was what the organization valued so much more. And uh, they began to do things, they retained everybody, the organization values what they are doing now, and the organization cannot have enough of them. Those are some of the things. And that excites me in terms of that. How can we work with machines to scale up what we do? So, for example, technology is allowing us to talk together, share podcasts, etc., and things like that. And, and sometimes technology can, can, can be a bit threatening. So let me give you my life experience four years ago with a technology called uh, WhatsApp. So I, in my work, I travel a lot. I mean, two, two weeks in a month, I'm out in another country, etc. And I have three sons. And they, they, they tend to want to me to buy stuff for them all the time. I'm an accountant, so I don't spend money that easy. <laughs> so often I go there and say to them, Dad, I, I say to them, Look, uh, Chris, Sean, or Cyril, I didn't get what I, uh, you wanted, you know. And, and I didn't go and look for it. And then these guys became wise. They said, Dad, you know, there's something called WhatsApp. And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. They loaded WhatsApp on my system. And then I go into, I remember one particular incident. I go into Chicago, and they, one of my sons asked me for some, some stuff. And I said, really? I don't know where to get that. And he says, oh, go to Macy's, uh, Michigan Avenue. I don't know where that is. He says, okay, dad, uh, uh, then he sends me the map. Uh, Google Maps oh, yeah, stuff yeah. over there. That's technology. And then uh, he, I said to the, I said to him, yeah, yeah, I can see that. But I also see that it is eight floors. Where is it? He says, no, 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 don't worry. I've, I've ordered a thing. It's on this floor, this particular location of, of the floor. That's the floor plan. Just go there with your card and pay for it. Now, then I decided to ignore him. Two minutes later, then he comes back and says, Dad, I know you've read my stuff because there are two double ticks. <laughs> the two double ticks. And I kind of said, okay, now I know. And so so that, that's my experience with technology. I had to go and buy this stuff. Now, so these days they ask me to buy something. I said, no, I'm not going to buy it. Yeah, yeah but... Because I know the guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, but, but even in that example, though, like, you know, think about well, it. It is. It is. It is. But I, I, I find using technology really very helpful to the work that I do. It's cut my travel a lot. I can teach using technology. I can run seminars using technology. I can work with people across different time zones using technology. Uh, and, and one of the things that I found out uh, is this, in particular, when you talk about uh, automation, etc. 
machines are very good at doing routine calculations and predictions. And, and a strange thing we find in our research that most people now have seen is that the more machines do prediction, the more human judgment is needed. And I say mm. to people, that is an area that we've got to look at more and more and more. Mm. That's number one. Number two is that the more machines take things of us, the more it is required of us to interact with human beings more. So let me give you an example. I think it's about Amazon. Uh, where they wanted to ensure that their drivers got to deliver on time within short time window. They managed to achieve that. But then uh, customer uh, satisfaction went down. They thought that if we achieve this, customer satisfaction should go up. It went the other way around. A survey of customers then said to them, your drivers just come and drop the thing. No banter, nothing talking to us. And then they realized that the drivers were not that just drivers. They were the first line of customer service to the people. So the driver speaks to the people, etc. things like that. Then that's how. That calls for things like drivers now not seeing themselves only as drivers, but as people uh, relating with people. When they are relating with people, it calls for something what we would call empathy or emotional intelligence. Those are quite key things. Human beings have them, we leave them behind. Now, automation is making us come to that because if machines can do some things for us we need to dial up some of these things you know and 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 and, and that is that so things like judgment uh empathy and so on are coming to the fore and we've got to be able to get people excited about that and use that in order to make sure that the organization works well. so there you have it hope you enjoyed this episode And there's a part two coming up next week, which actually goes more into the philosophy around the balance in accounting. But also, Noel deconstructs six areas that if we do better, we will have a very rewarding and meaningful career in finance and accounting. So that one's definitely not to be missed. So hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs. There's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter, which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out, latest events, news, and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun, rewarding, and successful career in finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback. If there's something we can do better on the show, something that's not working, or something you'd like to see, even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show, someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community, please let me know. You can email me. I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really, it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. When all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week. Take care and let's keep building our strength in the numbers. 